Today's gospel reading comes from the book of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, and also from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. From John, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And then from Matthew, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Thanks, Andy. Good morning. Every Sunday, one of the pastors gets up here as we begin worship, and we remind you about our communal mission, that we are called to transform lives through Jesus Christ as we... Listen, every Sunday, you've heard it, all right? As we connect, I'll give you the answers, all right? Heal. And bring hope to the world. Pastor Donovan's got it down, and we're still working on it because it's a mission. It's a a work in progress. But that's our calling, right? It's our mission as followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Christ here at Ebenezer. But the way this mission is lived out is different for each of us. But yet we are still called to that communal mission. So what does it look like to be all in on that mission? As individuals and as the body of Christ. Last week, Pastor Emily kicked off this new sermon series, All In, and we looked at Mark 12 and Romans 12. And we heard about uh, an altercation that Jesus had with a scribe. And the scribe asked him, which commandment is uh, the greatest or which commandment is first of them all? And Jesus quoted two scripture passages, one from Deuteronomy and one from Leviticus, and said, well, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your might, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, or in the same way that you love yourself. Then we heard from Romans 12 about how, call, about how Paul said we are called to be together as the body of Christ to fulfill this mission, to love God and to love our neighbors. And then Paul adds that presenting our lives, our bodies, ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice, to do that is our spiritual worship. Paul says there shouldn't be no other way, no other will, no other want, no other desire other than the kingdom of God. And that's what we are to focus on. Amen? So today, we continue in this sermon series, but we look at a new uh, facet of our Focus 2030, and that is discipleship. So as we build on this foundation, we look at discipleship, and I want to invite you uh, to get your Bibles uh, and open them. In just a second, but get them out, get them handy. If you got the Bible app, whip it out. That's great. Uh, but let's pray together. Holy and living God, we give you thanks uh, for this opportunity that we have to gather and to worship you. And God, we ask for your spirit to engulf our hearts, our minds, our spirits, so that there is no other way but your way. There is no other will within our lives but your will. And may we be about your kingdom always and the upbuilding of it. To share your good news that you have come 
into this world to save us, to set us free, and to share that good news with one another. So God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, because, O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. In 2015, Cleveland, Ohio was put in the sports, professional sports spotlight. And uh, Cleveland is a city that is rich in Americana. It's got famous attractions, many people who were uh, helpful in building America during the early 17 and early 1800s came from Cleveland, Ohio. But when you think about a city, usually something pops into your mind. If you think about Stafford, maybe you think Ebenezer Church. Right. Uh, what about New York? What do you think of? All right. Maybe you think of. Yeah. Someone said Freedom Tower or, or the World Trade Center. Some people think of uh, Central Park or maybe Times Square, the Big Apple in general. What about Nashville? Country music. My favorite. All right. But what about Cleveland? What do you think of? Drew Carey, Pastor Donovan, reliving the 90s for me. All right. Cleveland rocks. Amen. Let it be. That's what amen means. Let it be. It's okay. But that's uh, one of my points is that you uh, illustrate or you associate a specific thing with that geographical area when you hear a town or a city. So maybe for you it is because Cleveland rocks and it's home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe for you, you associate Cleveland with uh, the Cuyahoga River, which in 1969 became so polluted... That it caught on fire. Have you ever seen water catch on fire? Crazy, right? A lot of water, yeah. Yeah, it probably wasn't much water. Or maybe you associate Cleveland with the actual location of the house from a Christmas story where a nine-year-old Ralphie Parker received the Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas that year, and he nearly shot his eye out. No matter what you associate with Cleveland, Ohio, I can... uh, I can rest assured that professional sports teams are probably not your first pick. For Cleveland sports fans, it can seem like the movie Groundhog Day. Little shifts, little changes, glimmers of hope along the way, but the year ends in the same way. Disappointment. Then year after year comes that hope-filled phrase, there's always... Thank you. Listen, the Washington Commanders fans share the same sentiment. It's going to get better next year, okay? Last night, I had the great privilege privilege of sharing with my five-year-old Xavier that phrase after the Browns lost. Seriously, they were whooped. Forty-something to like 17. Seriously. Listen, Xavier, there's always next year. He will be a, a devoted Browns fan one day. For 52 years, Cleveland was in a championship drought. The last time a championship was won by a Cleveland sports team was in 1964. And guess what? It was by the Cleveland Browns. They were good at one point. 
But this was two years before the Super Bowl, so they can't even claim that they were Super Bowl champions. But back in 2015, there was a ray and a glimmer of great hope. And after a brief hiatus from Cleveland, LeBron James, a native Ohioan, took his talents from South Beach and brought him back to Cleveland. And to combat some of the negativity during that time, James held a press conference at which he said, listen, I am all in on bringing a championship home to Cleveland. And this became the mantra for them in 2015. The team was all in, plastered over large billboards throughout Cleveland on T-shirts and towels, whatever, you name it. They were all in in 2015, and they made it to the NBA Finals, and they faced off against the Golden State Warriors. And guess what? In normal Cleveland fashion, what happened? They lost. Oh, my goodness. And much like Groundhog Day, the same thing happened again, although a little bit different in 2016. They faced off. They made it to the NBA Finals. And again, the Golden State Warriors. And they lost the first two games. It seemed like there was no hope. That losing streak for a championship would continue. They, Cleveland sports teams would be continued to know as the underdog or uh, the ones without a championship. And by the fourth game, the Golden State Warriors led the series three to one. However, the Browns won. The Browns. Whew, I wish. The Cavs won the next three games. And they won the NBA Finals and the championship. And three days later, they came home. And there was this massive parade. And brought to Cleveland were 1.3 million people to a town that hosts and holds about 300,000. A million people came into town that day. That missional mantra of being all in was not just a a marketing technique, but it was more. It unified people. And at that celebratory parade, it didn't matter if you were young or old, male or female, if you were a committed fan or a a fair-weather fan or a, a seasoned fan or you had just jumped on the bandwagon. No matter what, if you were there, you were family and you were all in. Though this story about Cleveland sports history provides good illustrations, right, about being persistent and being devoted, even when the going gets tough. And how beautiful it is to see how many people show up, ages, nations, races coming together, and even different levels of fandom coming together to be unified under all in that mantra. Being a disciple of Jesus And falling in the way of the kingdom and fulfilling the mission that Jesus has tasked us with. It requires more than just wearing a t-shirt and going to a parade or a game. You see, the difference between being a fan versus being a follower is that fans want all of the benefits without any of the sacrifices. Becoming a follower of Jesus isn't just a matter of belief. It requires movement. We are supposed to do something, not just believe, but do something. Like the Pharisees, many fans have given their minds to the study of God, but they've never surrendered their hearts. A fan of Jesus likes what Jesus said, but a follower is willing to be crucified for following those teachings. So open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. It's all the way at the end, uh, and it's actually the last section before we go into Mark. But I want to assure you, we're going to stay in Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start in verse 16. 
And during this time, Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been resurrected from the dead. And now he's been appearing to the disciples as it's uh, linear within the other gospel uh, scriptures as well. The disciples at this time have been wondering, well, what's next? Jesus died. They, they didn't know that Jesus had been resurrected, but Jesus appears to them and he says, listen, keep doing what I've told you to do. Keep sharing with people. Keep inviting people. Keep telling the world about what I've come to do and what I've done for them. This scripture passage, it might say, uh, above Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it might say the Great Commission, because it's a co-mission, meaning that we do this together with one another, meaning that we do it with God leading us. And Jesus says, listen, you already know what to do. I've given you a job, now I want you to continue to do it. It's the same job you've already been doing. So the scripture says, Matthew 28, 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had instructed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But they doubted. Some translations say some doubted, or they doubted, or all of them doubted. But the Greek grammar here for doubted is how we is not how we ordinarily think of doubting as an expression of disbelieving. Instead, doubt in this passage was more along the lines of being uh, undecided or uncertain. The disciples were certain that Jesus was the son of God, but they didn't know what to make of this appearance of Jesus. They didn't know uh, how to grow in this awareness of who Jesus is. They knew he was the son of God, but they didn't know what it entirely meant. But doesn't that sound like us? We come to church to reinforce our faith by and through worship, but uncertainty seems to creep into our minds. How are we supposed to live out our mission to be a disciple of Christ? Sure, we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God. No doubt, but uncertainty seems to creep in. How should we live out our faith? How should we be a disciple of Christ? How should we follow Jesus? And so the disciples, right, they're up on top of a mountain in Galilee, some mountain, and Jesus comes to them. He meets them at this place where he has instructed them to be. And he comes in their worship, even in their uncertainty. And he offers them something completely unexpected. For some of the disciples, like I said, this was the first time that they were seeing him after he was crucified and they left him and they denied him. But Jesus doesn't reprimand them. Or tell them to get their doubts all figured out and then they can come back. Jesus gives his disciples a task. He tells them to remember who he is and what he has come to do. To remember where he has come from. And following this reminder, Jesus gives them a promise. In verse 19, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go, therefore. The Greek here for go means as you go or wherever you go. Remember who has sent you. And then he reminds them of a promise that was made to Abraham that all of the nations will be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. And so he says, go, make disciples of all nations. Not just some, how how many? All nations. Jesus is pointing out to how it will be in the kingdom of God, how it already is, but yet it will be. And it's later revealed in Revelation 7, 9, where it says, There was a great multitude that no one could count, that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God, robed in white, waving palm branches in their hands. 
Jesus says, this is how you are to make disciples in my name, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything, all things that I have commanded of you. And remember, remember I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus answers all of the disciples' uncertainties and ours as well with certainties. Did you notice that? Jesus says, all power and authority have been given to me. We are to go to all people and teach them all Jesus has taught us, and he will be with us for all time. In the first century world, the early disciples had a difficult job to do. They live in a culture that was hostile towards Christianity. Some of them were arrested and beaten and tortured and even killed for their faith and their refusal to not stop what Jesus had commanded them to do. Being a disciple costs something. Being a follower of Jesus costs us something. It encompasses our entire lives. We can't just piecemeal it together or say, Jesus, you know what? You can affect this part of my life, but not the other part. Jesus doesn't give us these warm and fuzzy rules to follow, yet he leads the way. He leads us. He shows us what it looks like to be one of his disciples. We're called to be followers of Jesus and not simply fans. Amen? Jesus doesn't want us to know about him. He wants us to know him. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us. And we are never going to be perfect at this relationship. We are going to fall. We are going to fail. And yet God says, it's okay. Strive for perfection. I want you to be committed and I want you to be authentic. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. But listen, I will pick you up. My friends, there is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There is no life without death. And there is no believing without committing. Amen? Discipleship in this way of Jesus is regenerative. It's about us, the communal body of Christ, and even those who go to a different church, going along the way and sharing their story with somebody else. Sharing their story about how God has been instrumental in their life, no matter if it's big or small, about how Jesus has shown up in your midst, changing your life. How we've encountered God and the great love of God at work and inviting others to respond to it. My friends, everybody has a story to share. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. It doesn't matter if it's been a movie, right? But everybody has a story to share. And as disciples of Christ, it is our job. This is our task from Matthew 28 from Jesus to go and make disciples. Go and share the gospel good news and encourage others with our story. And let Jesus do the rest of the work. The kingdom of God grows by invitation, a willingness to share our gospel good news that we have that has changed our lives. And invite them to respond. Sharing Jesus with someone is the most loving thing that you could do. And it truly changes lives. Amen? We as Ebenezer, we as the church, do not exist for ourselves. We exist for those who are outside of the church. When we believe and when we stop worrying about folks who are far from Jesus and who don't show up to church... When we stop worrying about them and only focus on the folks who are here to make them happy, 
a problem exists. When we adopt the mentality that, well, we're just going to keep doing whatever we've been doing before just to make people happy, well, we're not following the way of Christ. When our personal preferences outweigh our passion for the gospel, we stand in need of a a poke and a prod from the Holy Spirit so that we can focus on and reorient our lives on what really matters. Amen? That's hard news. Listen, I'm going to be truthful with you. That's hard, a hard pill to swallow. But that's what Christ calls us to, to be focused on those who don't know Jesus and share the gospel good news and disciple them as we have been discipled. Last week, Pastor Emily uh, gave us a sneak peek into the new Focus 2030 graphic, which it'll be on the screen momentarily. And this focus helps us to continue to live out our mission statement, to transform lives through Jesus Christ as we connect Heal and bring hope to the world. This week, as you may have already connected, uh, ding, ding, no, uh, is multi-generational discipleship. From toddlers to tweens and teens, from young adults to empty nesters and beyond, since 1856, 1856, for over 168 years, Ebenezer has been a church, a place where Jesus Christ changes lives, where the main thing is the main thing, where we believe that the gospel good news has transformative power and that we as disciples are called to make and mature other disciples. Amen? For 168 years, we don't exist for the people who are within the church. We exist for the people who don't know about Jesus. Amen. A couple months ago, there was a startling statistic that was shared that 73% of folks in Stafford County do not belong to a religious organization or community. 73%. That means that only 27%, I went to public school, okay? That means that 27% go to a religious organization or community. They belong to a community, but 73% don't. That's crazy. My friends, we have work to do. Amen? And this work is what Jesus has called us to. To make immature disciples in his name. To baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Not me, but Jesus. As we go along on this journey, we begin to recognize that we're not alone. We have one another as followers of Christ to be in mission with God and with one another. And we are not doing it by ourselves. We come together as a body of believers to put our faith into action. It's not just about talking the talk and sharing Jesus, but it's about showing and embodying his love and his grace and putting that into action for someone else. Coming together to be one and to be all in as followers of Jesus, to show his love, to show his grace, not only by the way that we talk, but by the way we act. Matthew concludes his gospel with his great commission, right? Go, go and allow God to work through you. Go and I will be with you always, Jesus says. Go even to the ends of the earth. Go and make disciples. And so as you go, wherever you go, make disciples. Can you say that with me? Let's make disciples. Make disciples. About your every day, as you go. Of all people. 
of all nations. We are called to go, therefore. And so how are you going to go? Individually, collectively, communally, how can we be all in on discipleship? Pastor Emily lifted up a a great practice of reading scripture and doing a daily devotional. I want to invite you to commit to reading the Bible over this next month on a daily basis. Maybe you need to join a small group. You can email me or Dana Sizowitz, our director of adult ministries. We even have in the lobby at Practice Makes Perfect, right out here to the right, there are little cards for Right Now Media. They have a QR code on the back. You scan that. We have purchased a free account for everybody. So you can go scan that QR code, create your free account. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to give that to somebody else. That's one way that you as a disciple are making other disciples by sharing that great resource with somebody else. And I want you to do one more thing over the next week. Daunting task. Here we go. Maybe over the next month. Share your faith with somebody. Share the story about how Jesus has truly transformed your life and share that with somebody. And invite them to church. Invite them to go to church. It doesn't even have to be Ebenezer. But invite them to respond to the work of God in your life by going to a church and getting connected and being plugged in. My friends, we have a choice to make on whether or not we will be fully committed. We have a choice to make on whether or not we will be a fan. Maybe we'll be a follower. And we have a choice to make on whether or not we will be all in. Amen. Christ calls us to be all in, to be committed, to be authentic, and to go and make more disciples.